0: Welcome to Uphill Conversations, your ride-along partners for your emerging future. Everything in life worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits.
1: It's time for another show with your hosts Tim Ficararo and Megan Finner. Are you ready to be inspired? Welcome to Uphill Conversations. I'm your host, Megan. And I'm Tim and we are so glad you can join us as you're living your life and heading towards your emerging future. Hopefully, you are eliminating any downhill habits and canceling out all agreements with limiting beliefs. And yes, it is true. You can be more, do more, and have more. So Tim, how's it going?
0: It's going very well, Megan. And uh, I'm a happy guy, because football season is rocking. And the uh, defending Super Bowl champion Patriots are <laughs> going to hopefully be back yeah. in the Super Bowl again.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm excited for college football. Well, so am I. Yeah.
0: I mean, because we both have we have a shared
1: mm-hmm. love
0: and appreciation.
1: Cheer, cheer for Notre Dame. Okay. Right?
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> that is definitely
0: true. I didn't know we were going to go into a chair.
1: I know. Well, we did. Uh, but so this is episode 55.
0: 55. Yeah. It is. Hey, um, tell me about your salad problem that you had the other day.
1: Oh my gosh. It is so terrible.
0: Okay. Because I know that you have uh, like, <laughs> this is like, when you told me this story, I got sad. I got sad for you because I know how much like the salad is. Like the salad is like king for you.
1: Okay. So I bought... A really big tub of salad from Costco. Like a tub? Yeah, like one of the, well, everything at Costco is big, you know. It's like, like, yeah,
0: Sam's Costco, so it's bulk. Yeah,
1: yeah, bulk. So I bought it, and there's always a risk when you buy mixed greens that this is going to happen. But it had started to go bad before I even opened it. So you can maybe pick around the bad stuff, (sighs) maybe get one or two salads, but I had to throw the whole thing away. So, that was like a week worth of my salads I had to throw in the So package. when
0: you put it in the bowl, did you immediately know when you opened it, like, what oh, yeah. is this?
1: Yeah, I knew when I opened it, I was like, oh man.
0: And so you didn't even make it to the bowl?
1: No, I mean, so I was able to kind of pick around it and get like two salads out of it. Two it salads. was very disappointing because that would have gotten me through almost a whole week.
0: I'm, almost am almost Well, week. I just want to, you know, <laughs> as much as I'm laughing, I mean, I did feel for you. But I've never heard anybody so disappointed. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm not kidding. I mean, I'm disappointed if I go spend like, I don't know, $40 on a meal at a restaurant. Right. Like in the steaks not good or something right. or the duck or something, you know, <laughs> you know, but you like this is literally the well, but, salad. But here's it's the thing. The like, if I bought marine.
1: that, if I bought because it was like organic. So if I would have bought it at a grocery store, it would have cost me what I got would have cost me at least six or eight dollars. And so at Costco it's only three fifty. So you're like, yeah, man, I'm winning. But then I wasn't. I was losing.
0: So so the lesson is go grow your own. <laughs> Why don't you just grow your own? I
1: think that would be a lot more expensive. But Considering still, the time it, it would take me. I'd have to get a salad spinner to get all the dirt out.
0: That okay, yeah. We'll just leave that alone <laughs> then. You just want to get the leaves, the, the greens and throw it in the bowl yeah. and just do your thing. Correct. Okay. Well that's fair enough. Yeah. Well, I have a question for you. Okay. This is a would you rather question. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You have to answer this question and then tell me why. Okay. Okay. Would you rather not be able to read or not be able to write?
1: I would rather not be able to write.
0: And why?
1: Um well because I think that if you couldn't read you would be so limited as to what you'd be able to do. So I mean you couldn't read books but then I mean street signs, directions, um I won't be able to read nutrition labels on the back of my salad. Uh so but I think the thing about but not being able to write there's so many there's so much technology now like talk to text so I mean I would just have to hope that the phone got it right yeah.
0: that's well have you done talk to text yeah before? I do it all the time yeah it's it does things that it's I'm telling yeah. you
1: so it would be a risk so you'd have to tell people just so you know I don't know how to write so I'm doing <laughs> talk to text so if you I ever send anything that's inappropriate um I'm sorry well I
0: do write and people still ask me if I know how to write <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, you mean like penmanship? Yes Well, that's a whole different story I
0: know, but I can't help the way I do it It's just, it works
1: Yeah, for I you. know what it says Yeah, you do And it, then you shouldn't be reading my
0: notebook <laughs> That's what I feel And who said I gave that to you? Now, if I'm going to write you something, I'll just type it then
1: Right. But for me, when you're like, hey, Megan, look at this, something that you wrote. It takes me like 20 minutes to read five sentences. I have
0: asked you to look at some stuff before. That's true. That is true.
1: It takes a little bit of it. It's the decipher. combination
0: of print cursive.
1: Yeah. Well, I feel I like it's a, too.
0: print cursive is a lost art.
1: <laughs> I think a lot of people do it in like the Gen X early millennial generation where like you were required to do cursive in even in public school because not all public schools teach that anymore that's true yeah
0: i mean isn't it all like keyboarding now i mean isn't it weird they used to do like typewriter classes mm-hmm. then it was like you know penmanship was always there and right. your right they writing skills mm-hmm. then they went to like typewriter stuff yeah. and now it's like just straight up Like computer, like everything's on a computer.
1: Yeah. I always find it really interesting. So my mom is a teacher and she has like this beautiful penmanship and so is my mother-in-law. I wonder if that's like in like the past they were like, oh, you have excellent handwriting. You should be a teacher because you can write on the board.
0: They would have never asked me. (laughs) (laughs) They'd have been like, you have bad penmanship and you probably should not be
1: writing. Your handwriting is similar to my dad's. It's very challenging to read. It's a nice way to say. If that. you're not, if you're not familiar with it,
0: with the characters, correct? Because that's what I feel like I write. It's like people say they look more like characters than they do actually <laughs> letters,
1: like wingdings. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that was good. So tell me, tell me about our guest today. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, we can have... you tell me in Wingding. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so we have um, a really great guest uh, on the show today. His name is Damian Lupo, and um, he is he was a cool guy. He's a self described rule breaker and system disruptor. And as someone who considers myself a little bit of a disruptor, uh, I just thought it was really fun to talk with him. But what I think is so interesting is he was this guy who had a ton of success in his his early life. He had the job. He had the car. um, He had the relationships. And um, he he sort of had this American dream, but he always felt like there was something missing. And then when the financial crisis happened in 2008, his whole world just came crashing down. Uh, And so his self-worth was really tied to his net worth. And it really forced him to have to you know, really rethink the whole way that he looked at the world. And um, I I just I love where he's landed now. He's doing amazing things um, with individuals for their finances um, and personally and in business. So he's just a really down to earth, cool guy to talk to.
0: Yeah, it was very fun. And I mean, he was really engaged in the conversation, which mm-hmm. is great. I mean, I, we feel like, you know, pretty much all of our guests do that. Mm-hmm. But he was just, it was just really neat how he just flowed with us mm-hmm. and the engagement was really high. Um, and he let us just take him all over the kind of spectrum and questions and stuff
1: he did and i think in a lot of his interviews that people mainly talk to him about what he does for work which is kind of disrupting the the financial world and approaching investing and finances differently and i think what was neat is we touch on that a little bit but we we spent a lot more time just on him and his journey
0: he's a cool guy so hey listen we would love it if you went to our facebook page and at uh uphill conversations on facebook Uh, Like, share, uh, post there as well. Mm -hmm. That would be awesome. And also on our Twitter, you can always engage with us there at Uphill Convo. And if you have any ideas, thoughts, comments, things you would like to share, please do so at Tim at UphillConversations.co or Megan at UphillConversation.co. And lastly, we would love it if you went to iTunes and or Stitcher and rate and review the show. That really helps us with our continuous improvement. But without any further delay, let's jump on into this wonderful interview with Damian Lupo.
1: Welcome to Uphill Conversations, Damian Lupo. Uh, How is everything going in your world?
2: Things are amazing out here, Megan. Thanks Thanks for asking, thanks for having me, guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and where is here?
2: Here, here, uh, we're here. Here is in Sedona. I'm, I'm actually on a river at the end of humanity, which is kind of interesting. I'm, there's there's nobody here except for river otters. So I'm on the yeah. edge and in, in serenity. <laughs> yeah. Are you are
0: you fly fishing or anything?
2: You know what? I, keep, I have a buddy that comes over and he says, you know, I don't know why I'm here with a pole. I should be looking for trout right now. So, tell him, tell
0: yet. him, tell him, man, you're a purist and you just jump in the water and you catch what you can.
2: <laughs> this, is, this is like Lord of the Flies. Is, there we this, go. This is crazy. <laughs>
1: Oh man! Well, that's that's awesome. Um, well, I know um, we're we're excited to have you on the show today. Um, you were very gracious and sent us a copy of your book "Reinvented Life" and then a couple other um, books that you've written. Um, but there's something that you actually said to us in kind of some pre conversation we were having prior to this interview, and what that was is. You call yourself an edge case, a rule breaker, and a system disruptor. So let's jump into that. Um, tell us, tell us what you mean by that.
2: Well, I think there's something that happened years ago where I was following the the quote unquote normal trend and and what we we're what we're all supposed to do according to society's rules. I was following that, and it kept not working. I just kept finding myself frustrated and. When I eventually got thrown out of college in the, the third college I was in, it was because I had started a, a business in this this dorm room that I was living in, and and I thought it was a very cool thing. I was putting the book, the bookstore out of business, and I realized my my mind and my heart and my genius was not in the going to classes, getting good grades, get a job, and and then be happy with that life. There was something more. I was on the edge of finding my genius, and when I stepped into that and really started going after that and opening up to it and being authentic about it... All of a sudden, tremendous things started happening. Not only did wealth happen, but I started growing and I started seeing a bigger world. And it was only then when I left the middle of the bell curve and found the edge, found myself in that edge, that I started to really show up with who I'm supposed to be. And I think we all have that. We have to find the edge for whoever we are.
0: Man, that's really good, and I I'm with you. I didn't do three colleges like you did. I just had I had one that I always say they welcome me to leave. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And um, but man, I love that um, what you're sharing and and just in finding that edge. And I do believe that people need to understand that you know that edge is so important. You know, and and um, you know, there's a there's an old proverb I like to quote that if you don't wet the blade, you know, w h e t. You'll have to work with much force, you know. And so, I, I, I would, I would, I'm curious. Is frust was frustration? Would you believe that that was an agent that really helped you sharpen your edge?
2: I, I think it was. I think that um, this is the old stick and the and the carrot approach to to life. That we can we're never really going to be we're never going to move into a place of the unknown and the and really hit the edge if it's just about. Uh, the the glory or just about the upside there has to be some type of pain that's poking at us it's kind of why we pay attention to cnn or whatever these news are these news channels are when there's red alerts everywhere because there's this this potential pain and it goes back to the survival and for me my soul was dying and i and it's it wasn't that physically i was going to die but there was my soul was being was being crushed by this this whole path where i was basically being beaten down and that pain was too much for me to deal with or for me to I just say, it's okay. I needed to push out of that. If it was just, Hey, here's a new path and you can make a bunch of money. It wouldn't have been enough. There was something that I had to push through and that was uh, getting past the pain and that, that there's some pain that's driving or gnawing at all of us. And, and if we use that and harness it, we can really use that to, to launch and to leverage into whatever we're supposed to be doing. Man, that's
0: really, that's so true. And and I'm going to, I want to say something. I want to, I want to hear your reaction to this. There's something I like to say that pressure is our privilege. What, 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 what would that, what would that mean to you? If I were to say that?
2: Well, I, I, it, it reminds me of, of the, the idea that, that when we have an opportunity, when we see something that that's out there, it's not necessarily that we have the opportunity and it's a possibility to me, I see my, my gifts, my abilities as not only an opportunity, but a responsibility. It's an obligation for me to do something with those. And so that pressure is really just, it's juice and it's fuel and it pops out these diamonds and that's what we're supposed to be is the diamonds. We're not supposed to be going through life as lumps of coal. And, and so that's what that pressure is to me. It's an, it's a responsibility to take that and and use it for something that's really more important than just my hedonistic experience of life
1: and I, I i think that that is i mean that's a pretty impactful statement um and and i'm intrigued by that whole idea of talking about um you experience different things in your life and you basically subconsciously reach this point where it's almost un, unbearable what you're doing you're you're maybe you're pursuing the right things you're doing what everybody told you is you know this is the dream this is what you do you go to college you get a job you make lots of money but you still feel like something is missing and it's that that unbearable thing, that trigger event is what you call it. So could you tell us, do you have a very specific trigger event that happened for you um, to really push you to make a change in your life?
2: Yeah, there the the one that stands out, the one and I, I I talked a little bit about this in in reinvented life when I was getting all of the experience of this transitional period of my life out into the world on paper. I didn't want to do it again, so I needed to really acknowledge what it was. So I wrote about it. And, and when I described the trigger event, it was the moment where I was basically in hiding after I lost a $20 million portfolio, my life was a wreck, my self-worth and my net worth were intertangled. So when my net worth went to negative 5 million, I didn't know who I was. So I was basically just hiding from the world and I got a knock at the door and it was, it was kind of weird because I was on the edge of humanity in Arizona at the time, um, different part of Arizona, but I was really in the desert trying to avoid reality, trying to avoid responsibility. And that was a big part of what, what has shifted this responsibility part. The thing that happened though, when I had that knock at the door, I went to the door and looked out and I saw these four people, these four armed agents, because they had badges and guns. So I was kind of thinking these are agents and they're here to get me. It was like the matrix or something. And I, I panicked and I I literally crawled into a closet and hid. For hours and just waited and then I crawled out a window and I went to the front door and I I saw this envelope on the door and I thought they've they've delivered notice that like gets the end and when I pulled the this piece of paper out of that envelope it was from the IRS and it was uh, it was a notice that was addressed to the person that lived in the house before me it wasn't even yeah. for me and I, I literally dropped to my knees and, and started crying because I realized I was living in so much fear that I was dying And something had to change or my existence here was going to be over. And that was, that was really the moment where I came to terms with something had to shift fundamentally, not just externally, but internally.
1: And and so you, you realize that you have to make this shift and, um, you know, talking about moving towards reinvention, going into that reinvented life, uh, you talk about this need to really start to be inquisitive. And, um, you know, Tim and I talk a lot with people about it's important to be able to recognize your own thinking and know what you believe, but then it can be a little bit dangerous when you start asking people their opinions because you don't want to be outsourcing your thinking. So how do you create balance there? If you are in a position where you're ready to make a change, you need to bring some other people into the circle who can be brutally honest with you, but also make sure that you're not outsourcing your thinking.
2: First off, I love that term, outsourcing your thinking. I think most of the planet is probably doing that in some form. That's a very cool term. I'm, I think I'm going to borrow that a little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll send you an invoice. <laughs> I, I, yeah, you know what? That's, that's good. Royalty, I'm only kidding. I'm, no, I'm only kidding. No, it's it's all borrowed, isn't it? <laughs> it is all borrowed. And, and you know, that's, that's one of the things that happened with – with this this moment where I, I felt like I was ready to change, but what I was normally doing, and what I think a lot of people do, is they they change the external. They say I'm going to change my clothes, or I'm going to I'm going to go to the gym and change my body, but they don't really change the internal belief system and the behaviors and and what's really driving everything, or the values that are driving. And for me, I didn't really have any values other than just more like more consumption. So the question that I had to ask was what is true? It's the fundamental question that will get get you into a conscious state in a matter of seconds. And then you keep asking it over and over what's true. And then you start observing yourself and you can be ready to change. But if you're not willing to, if you're not ready to ask that question and really honor the truth, and usually this takes somebody else that you respect enough to tell you the truth, because oftentimes we can't even see it. And I spent two years asking that one question with one person every week to find out what was really deep down underneath all those layers. So it, I, I think a lot of people will say I'm ready to change, but the truth is they don't want to know the truth. So are they really ready to change when you're willing to step into the truth and acknowledge it, whatever it is. And for me, it was that I had to acknowledge I wasn't a very good person and I was just running for, for more consumption and, and more of, of more. And that was my entire MO. So acknowledging that I was able to shift something because I I stepped into a space where I was thinking about what my values were and what was going to drive the decisions in my life. That was the shift. So once we're, again, it's, it's, it's evolving to the point where we're acknowledging the truth. And at that point, everything can change. That's, that's, that's really rich. I love that.
0: Um, and I love that what is true, you know, because a lot of people won't spend the time. You're right. They won't do it. I have a, I have a really good habit where I'll sit down and I'll ask myself a question and then I just put little, I mean, my handwriting is ridiculous, but I make little, you know, asterisks and, and I just, from the question, I just take myself through five or six answers and then I come back to it. And then I see if I will answer it the same way again, because that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to find out if that's true, because I think what most people don't realize is kind of working in reverse. You're reverse engineering your belief, which is kind of cool. A lot of people are trying to start with their belief and then produce fruit, and you've got to start somewhere. I believe that, but I believe belief is like a bookend experience, but it's not a closed canon. It continues. Can you talk more about that, how your belief evolved in that discovery of what is true? I hope that makes sense.
2: Yeah, no, Tim, it it definitely makes sense, and and it really is a discovery process when— a year and a half ago when when i was first starting the the company that i'm i'm running now the very first thing i did was i flew away to an unknown space sat in a lobby for a day and just asked that question what what really drives me what's important to me and i just basically word vomited all over a piece of paper and eventually six words popped up and i realized those were the words that were going to drive every decision what we were going to do with the company who i was going to bring in what the customer looked like all those things and the way that that starts, and this is this is something that we can use for, I mean, for everything in our life, and it's called the blank slate principle. And this happened; it just sort of happened, or popped up, or came to light when I moved many, many times, and I kept dragging all this stuff from my past. You know how when you move, you you have a moving truck, and you're like, "What is this stuff? How did this end up in my life?" But I keep dragging it everywhere. Right. So, right. so I'm I'm putting this stuff in my house, and I thought, wait a second, if I didn't have any of this stuff, if my house was empty, and it is right now what would I actually go and get? And I realized most of the stuff that was in the moving truck, I would not go get. And then I said, well, if that's the case, what would it look like if I had no friends, if I had no people in my life, who would I want in my life? And the interesting part and kind of sad part, but it was a a enlightening moment was that there were people that were in my life that I needed to say goodbye to say, thank you for being a part of my, my life. And they weren't, they weren't people that, that needed to be in the future because they were going to make, they were going to keep me in the past because they weren't moving into the future with me. They were just there. And so the blank slate really is, is the, is the thing that we, I think everybody needs to do. If you really want to have a life by design, you have to open up the space, have it wide open and then decide what you want instead of just dragging the past into everything that we're doing in the future. Cause then you have to justify your future to the past. And that becomes really, really painful when things from the past are trying to hold on to the old way.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I guess I'm curious, you mentioned six words, and we, uh, Tim and I, we work with companies doing leadership and team development, and we talk a lot about these six essential words that, that we use um, when we talk about virtues, and those that we use are humble, hungry, smart, sacrifice, initiative, and maturity. And those, there's a whole bunch of meaning that goes into that in working with the team, but I'm curious, what were those six words that you landed on?
2: they They came down to candor and transparency, because to me, if you if you don't have that, you're really just living a lie. it It was ten x and and growth, because to me, if you're not growing, you're dying. the The universe is not static. And then the last two were transparent it was um, relationship and and self-responsibility. And that is something that you we were talking about for a second before the show that relationship is, to me, that's why we're human. That's what makes us human. It's, it's this connection to other people. It's the, the development of Yokido, my martial art, what it's all about is the interaction with other people and connecting to them. And then self-responsibility is the driver for everything. It's, it's, it's that when we own our life, when we make a decision that everything that happens, we are responsible for. And even if we didn't cause a hurricane, we decide, and we were responsible for our actual experience of it and how we're going to interact with it that drives everything. And it, so those six really bubbled up and they became the core drivers for both my life and for this company and kind of everything that goes on in in my world.
1: And I, I think that what's really interesting about that, that whole idea of relationship and self-responsibility is that we talk a lot about kind of the ripple effect. So any, any and every decision that you make, whether it's the right decision or a wrong decision, it's going to have an impact on another person. And a lot of times I think people think very one-dimensionally about that. They think if I do this, this is how it affects this one person. But I don't think that many people really think about how that continues on. And I believe that that is really important for people to think about when they're thinking about what their true self responsibility is, um, and really how they are continuing to impact other people.
2: I, I agree, and that that uh, makes me think about the, the the first, second, and third order consequences that really drive our decisions. And to to really to give you an idea of what that means for people that haven't heard of that before the first order is is really the experience when we bite into a donut there's this experience it's right now it's immediate it's it's the the hand-to-mouth type of thing and then second order it's really more of okay the impact of doing this is going to have some impact maybe a week from now or on somebody else and the third order is is driving everything so there's an alignment between our values and our, our virtues and the actual decision we're making right now and if we can connect the the activities and actions behaviors today with the third order consequences of our values then the ripple effect I think really is in line with what the universe wants us to be doing if our values are sound. If it's just hand to mouth, I think we're going to get a lot of feedback in the form of slaps and potentially trucks running over us eventually because we're not in alignment with something deeper. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. I love that. Truck's running us over. <laughs> I don't think anybody
2: <laughs> wants that experience. It, but you know, it's it's what happens if you don't yeah. pay attention to the taps. The universe yeah. is constantly giving us feedback. And, it, and I, I know for me, I was ignoring those things. So eventually I had a freight train run over me. And that was just the universe saying, You are too stubborn and and stupid. You're not listening. So if you don't want to listen, fine, we'll send a locomotive and drive it over your head. And yeah. I, I paid attention because <laughs> it hurt a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: I, I always say people laugh at my little things that I say, but you know, they're just they're simple for me because it just helps me to figure my way, you know, or find my way through this great big world that we live in. But you know, if you cut your pinky toe deep, you take the whole person to the hospital. <laughs> it's not, you can't just take the pinky toe off and send it on its way. You know what I mean? And no different than in your car, you have a little, there are lights and things that are, they're indicators. They're trying to speak to you and they're trying to run some intervention, you know? And I would really like your take on how do you guide people to pay attention to those small things because it's the little things that add up. It's like money. You know, $10, you do that 10 times, you, you know, do the math, there's your money, you know, and people are, they forget these little things that always seem to add up. And it's amazing back to my pinky toe illustration. If you don't treat that, the entire body is affected. So how do you guide people, Damien, in your interactions, in the way you show up in the world, people that you engage, how do you help them pay more attention to the indicators?
2: I, it it ends up having it. Well, I guess the the thing that happens is is that the really hard conversations, the questions for the things that we're avoiding. I, I see a lot of people, and I do this too, and it bugs me when I do it. And I know that we all have this in us where we just avoid. We don't want to have the hard conversations. We don't want to ask the hard questions. And the and the two the two questions that I'll ask when I'm working with anybody, whether it's somebody that's that's hired me or or it's just somebody that I really love and care about in my life. That's just a friend or a family member. It The questions are, what are you doing? And really it's pretty easy to see what we're doing. Cause you look at the check checkbook and the credit cards and you can see what people's behaviors and their values are. And it, it doesn't lie because numbers don't lie. And, and I, and I'll ask what, what are the things that are gnawing at you? For example, you have an employee or a team member that is, you, you feel off about. And if you feel off about somebody, you're probably months or years behind the curve of letting that person go and succeeding somewhere, somewhere else. And so just acknowledging what is really going on and that the fastest way to do that, in addition to the question of what is true, is looking at somebody's numbers. And that's that's the dentistry, the financial dentistry. I end up doing a lot with people and companies, because if we look at what's really going on and we, we don't just hear the voice of yeah, everything is good or we're driving this, or we're doing that. If we actually look at the numbers, you can tell what's really happening and then you can start managing and shifting things. People don't tend to want to look at the numbers because they have to acknowledge what they're really doing and not what they'd like to have happen or what they'd like to be like. They they, they wish the results were. They you know they actually have to look at what the results are, not what they'd like them to be. Well, and
1: I think that that that's very true. What we what we see a lot, you know, as we're working with different organizations is we're going in, we're working on culture. We're trying to find, you know, what are those what are those things that are hidden under the surface that you can't quite put your finger on? And it, it can be a process that, you know, it causes disruption and you're going to find things that that aren't that pretty. And I think one of the hardest things that we find is if that, you know, person who brought us in isn't aware of those things it can be very challenging to bring those to their attention because they might not be ready to receive them and and I think that that's that can be that can be a big challenge
2: it, it, it is and, it, and the, the hardest thing for people is is to acknowledge that they're wrong uh, there's uh, we I think we've probably all experienced this where we get excited about something and we want to go after something new or, or we're pushing past our norm And the people in our life, if we're, if we're, I think if we're with the wrong people, we start going out and expanding and growing and they pull at us like the crabs in the box. They try to get us back into the box to keep, to normalize. And because the reason this happens, it's not because people hate us or they want to see us fail. What they, I think what people don't want to do is they don't want to see somebody go do something that deep down they want to do, that they wish they could do, but they're too afraid to do. And once somebody else does it, and actually gets out of that box, it makes them wrong. And we don't want to be wrong. And if you're acknowledging numbers or you're acknowledging the truth, it's really easy to see that you're wrong. And people, they'll fight to be right. They'll they'll fight they'll fight until they're dead right and they get run over by a train and they're they're convinced. Mm-hmm. But the you know that that's that's the hardest thing to work with, with somebody that is defending. And being a victim and they're blaming and they're justifying their life instead of being responsible and saying, okay, I literally don't know what I'm doing right now in this space. So I need to change. I need some help. That's where everything starts to blossom and and happen when there's that responsibility and they shift away from blame and justifying.
1: And I think once someone is able to really wrap their arms around that and kind of say, wow, okay, this is a situation I'm really in, then they can start really pushing ahead and saying, okay, what are we gonna do next? And, you know, if we take it outside of, let's say, like a business context and bring it back to a personal context, you know, I can maybe now focus in on discovering what my passion is and really realizing my purpose. So not just what my my sole purpose is, my S O L E. My singular purpose, but what is my soul purpose? You know, what does my soul want? Um, and and so, with that idea, one thing that that you that really stood out to me in your book was you said that passion must be earned, and I think people discover their passions, but I haven't heard it put that way. So I would love it if you could just tell me a little bit more about your perspective there
2: there's something that happens when you when you go deep into anything when you really just let go and you become very present and this is the key it's it's the, the self responsibility is a big, it's the key virtue and then there's this this key experience that really goes to everything in life the relationships the business our the work we do everything and it's it's presence the question is how present are you and the more present you are in whatever it is you're doing You end up finding the thing that you're so passionate about because you get lost in that thing. For me, that's that's the martial arts training. And it's really funny with martial arts because the moment that you're not present, you end up on the ground or you end up with a fist in your face. And it's it's immediate feedback. And I I just I noticed that as I've been training the last 20 years, there's a deeper and deeper passion that I'm earning because I'm willing to let go and be more and more present. And I see. I see my students doing the same thing where they're earning that, that love, that passion for the martial art and for that transformation, the more that they let go and the more that they trust in themselves and in the environment and in me and these, these, it's almost like magic happens when we let go and when we're willing to be in that relationship because you get more and more present to it and you start to see things you've never seen before.
0: You disrupt wall street by empowering main street. Now, I think that's you know how people have, especially in politics, they have thrown around. They've just used the term Main Street to kind of elevate their position, but there's nothing sustainable underneath what they say. So what what is your representation of that? How do you how does that turn into something that is real and um, it's valid, has foundation, um, and it's also sustainable by way of the way you describe it that you disrupt Wall Street. Um, by empowering
2: Main Street. The the focus on disrupting Wall Street is disrupting a a way of 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 really thinking about money and thinking about our our freedom. The the whole system right now with Wall Street and the way it's been built is you basically are too stupid to invest. You're too stupid to know what to do with your money. And it's you the only option is really to hand your money over. And so you work really hard and you spend all these decades doing something and then you just really hope. So you basically smoke a bunch of hopium and the idea is that you're going to pop out at, at 60, and everything's going to be good. I love that. Well, gonna- I love that. I <laughs> smoke a bunch of opium.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Man, let's that pause so and good. recognize how good yeah, that we is. We want to. Yeah, we're going to pause and say. <laughs> Damien, you have just brought us a phrase that I'm going to now circulate through my community of brotherhood of people that I know. I'm going to be looking at them and say, dude, you are smoking a bunch of opium. (laughs) That's awesome, man. We applaud that. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to mess up your flow because you were on a flow, but... We have to, we have to stand up and pay homage to yes, that. We do.
2: That's awesome. Thank you. You know what? I, I, I hope people hear that laugh about it and then stop smoking it. Yeah. <laughs> get off that, of it, man. Yeah, like get, put it down, put the doobie down. Like yeah. you need to stop this. This, this is not you owning your life. This yeah. What do they say? Crack,
0: but crack kills, right? No, opium kills. Hopium, hopium kills. kills.
2: <laughs> Hopi- and, and, you know, it's. I'm not saying I don't like hope. What I don't like right. is hope as a strategy for your life that you're not oh, in control of. And, and mm-hmm. so that's, that's the, the, the entire focus. And so basically people are stuck in this confusing mess where everything is so complex and the complex mind, can't really, it, it can't really engage. It just sort of goes, I don't know what to do. And it backs off. So it doesn't really take responsibility. And, and so the idea is we shift from that confusion into a different level, and usually the first thing people think is, well, if I go from that idea that I hand my my money over and I stop smoking opium, if I just build up a bunch of cash, then everything will be good. That's not true. I've worked with people that had millions of dollars in the bank, they're age 50, and they are scared to death they're going to lose it. So that's a terrible plan. It's a nice mm-hmm. idea, but the reality is it doesn't work. The next thing is the cash flow. If I build up some some cash flow then everything is good because I'll have this freedom. That's also not true because what happens if there's a disaster like 2008 and you go shoot, did I do that or was that just an accident? The true freedom is and this is where we empower Main Street and this is this is my life work in in empowering people is is creating the confidence muscle. Like when you study martial arts eventually it becomes you. The confidence is in your You're just your normal. You're not thinking it's subconscious. It's, it's your innate ability that shows up. Same thing with money and investing and, and business. If you develop, once you develop the confidence, then you've got this muscle and nobody can take that away. It does not matter what happens. It does not matter if you lose your money. It's not about the money. It's about your ability and the confidence creates the freedom. That's the bridge into empowering main street.
1: And as you're working with these people and and inspiring different people to really take control of, you know, their financial future and even just their future in general, I'm curious to know, um, what are you doing to invest in yourself?
2: That's a great question. And it's, it's interesting because people will often say that, look, I've got 10,000 or I've got a hundred thousand dollars or you know, what should I invest in? And I, I say, well, there's two things. One, don't tell anybody you have any money cause they'll all have ways for you to invest get your, their, your money into their pocket. <laughs> yeah. so stop telling anybody you have money. And, and the, and the next thing is invest in you because you, the returns on you and this is so for me, I'm investing. I've got, I've got a, at least one coach all the time, usually multiples that are giving me feedback cause I can't see myself swing. And, and the other thing is I'm always going to seminars. Like I'm literally going to a seminar later today on real estate and I've done massive amounts of real estate, but I'm always out there learning and growing. So I'm investing in that and I'm reading all the thought leaders out there and, and listening to shows like this constantly because there's, there's nothing, the returns are going to be 10 X anything you can do with your money. If you're investing in, in yourself versus some asset. I mean, you are the primary asset you should invest in first and foremost. And so I I don't think that there's an exception to that. That's really good.
0: And, um, you know, just, just the fact that it's very clear to you, like there's, it's not even, it's not even an, an argument. There's no, you don't even have to sit and stop and wonder, should I, or should I, I mean, it's just clear. It's like, do I want this? Yes, I do. And you do it. So that's, um, that's powerful. It's just, we need to see more of it. And I love, and those of you listening, This is what you hear from us. You hear in our guests that they are continuously investing in themselves because that is their best return on investment. Um, Damien, our show is called Uphill Conversations. And so, you know, think about like the Tour de France, right? So, you know, there's a reason. And I'm not a cyclist. So, you know, those that listen know this. I say this all the time, but... I I just I'm impressed, though, with these guys that can hit a hill on that bike with all those gears and how to draft. But someone gets a yellow jersey for a reason. You know, he takes that challenge and he overcomes some things. So if you could, is there one uphill challenge that, you know, you've recently had where, you know, you went through a lot of different emotions, You felt excited, you felt like you hit the hill well, <laughs> and then maybe you lost a little speed, maybe you had to pull someone in the draft off of, but just something you had to overcome in order to, you know, reach a, a, another stage um, to, in order to advance. Is there something you could share with our listeners?
2: Yeah, it, it, it actually, it's actually, it's fairly intense because it's, it's fresh and it's, it's really important. Um, probably a lot of people could relate to this it it comes back to the the blank slate with people and with the company that I've been running, there was an individual that I I got started in the company with. It was one of the, the, the co-founder and it became pretty obvious very quickly that that person was not meant to be in this, that there, it was, it was a drag. It was, a, it was an energy sucking relationship versus an energy enhancing one. And I, I did just pretended it would be okay for about a year. And I felt myself going into, I felt my body responding. I felt toxicity happening. And it was, I realized this is literally going to kill me if if I maintain this relationship. And there was all of this emotion around, what do I do with it? Do I say you're out? Do I say I'm going to keep this relationship going and just deal with it? And eventually I said, this isn't going to work. This thing is, is bigger than us. And uh, this thing needs to go forward without you and when that happened it was it was like cutting off my pinky toe like all of a sudden i was i was off like i my balance was off i lost this piece this very important person in my life and and really when i was doing that the friendship also died mm. and it it was it was painful to go through that and at the same time there was this toxic element of it that i was now that i had purged and there was this opening and this freedom and this lightness to be able to move without that anxiety. And so I feel like I've, I've crested something and there's going to be more Hills, but I was going straight up with an anchor dragging into the cement on this bike that I was riding. And it was, it, it was, it was killing me and it was, it was really crippling the business. So that, that moment where I decided this needs to go forward without this partner was the moment of decision and it changed everything. Wow.
1: And it's interesting because I think that Tim and I we talk to a lot of different entrepreneurs, and that your story isn't unique, but it is so powerful for people to hear because I think that there's this feeling where I've made this vow, I've made this commitment to this person, and now I have to stick with it, come you know hell or high water. But when it comes down to it, you have to make a decision sometimes, and sometimes it's hard, and it it, it can be painful, but it is that that realization this is a toxic thing and if it continues I'm gonna go down with the ship so I think that that's great
2: Well, I, I appreciate that I, I it, it really does come down to the point that we're all the CEO of our life yeah. and if we're not willing to make that decision as a CEO needs to that ultimately the buck stops with the CEO there's a reason there's a CEO in a company and you that's you for your life and if you're not willing to make that decision your life, you're, you're, you're toast. I mean, you you really are, you don't have a life in my opinion, if you're not willing to make the hard decisions as CEO. But the cool thing is once you make the decision, usually all the stuff after that is a lot easier than the actual decision. So it's the, it's the, it's the anxiety around the decision. And when you get, when you start to build the confidence muscle around making decisions, eventually you start making decisions more freely and more, there's this fluidity and you're not stuck but you, you gotta have the practice. And so you, you just, I think you just have to start making some decisions and that's where the coach comes in sometimes where they can give you feedback and you sort of leverage off of their confidence and you go, oh, okay, this didn't kill me. I mean, there, mm-hmm. I have a funny story. I was in Africa and and there was a lady that got out of a Jeep on safari and and she didn't like the way the Cubs were sitting. And so she lined them all up and got her camera. And then mama came out of the woods or oh, out man. of the, the grass and ate her. Oh, and and I, I, I go, oh, so the, the, so I shouldn't do that. Right. And the guy said, no, don't do that. Cause you'll get eaten. And I said, okay, I'm good with that. <laughs> the, the, the point of that is that there's very few things in the world that will actually eat us. Right. We're right. afraid to make decisions because they're going to hurt. Well, unless you're in, in the in the uh, African plains or like I grew up in Alaska and you run out in the woods, you might get eaten by a bear. Those two exceptions are about it. Everything right. else mm-hmm. might just be a learning opportunity, but you're not going to get eaten. So practicing mm-hmm. making the decisions, you'll get stronger and your life will be yours. It won't just be something by default.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And and, I, and the laughter is just like, wow, The it's the irony of, you know, I don't like the way these are sitting. Right. So I'm going to get out and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm just, I'm just like, wow. I mean, it's sad about what happened, but it's like, that is such a great visual for us to have.
2: Mm -hmm. It's the, the, the funny thing is that is the exact opposite of going with the flow and allowing whatever's there to be real. Mm -hmm. And instead of forcing things, and a lot of times we force things instead of just saying, this is what it is and I'm going to acknowledge it and I'm going to be with it. I'm going to be in relationship with whatever it is get, okay, that lady did not go with the flow. She decided <laughs> no. to force the issue yeah. and she got to be lunch. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a bad plan. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I think it's all that, that same idea. We we talk a lot um, with, our, with our clients and the people that we work with about, let's all stop focusing on the things we can't control or all the weaknesses and what we don't have. And let's really zero in and focus on what are our strengths? What are the things that we're good at? What are the things that we do have and how can we elevate those? Uh, so, so I I think I think that's great. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, so, Damien, as you're looking forward uh, over the next 12 months, we would love to know what are three things that you're optimistic about.
2: Three things I'm optimistic about. Uh, well, one of them I'm really optimistic about the what the lives that are going to be changed when when my my books come out that really share all of the all of the carnage that um, I've gone through the last couple of years. And being able to share that, I think that there's a value to taking our life in, in chunks of time and putting it into words and and in, on paper and then being able to share that we learn from it and we also can, can leverage and we have that ripple effect. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. I'm excited about the people that are in my life. 12, 18 months ago, I had a completely different team. I have one person left in my life in terms of my business. And now I've, I've really got the right people in place and people become everything In our lives and so i've got this amazing group of people around me and so being able to work with and create with with those people and being in a in a space where i've shed the 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 old stuff and i feel like my life is is whatever i want it to be and it's not somebody else's plan and and they're not just they're not pushing I'm, i'm really able to design it those are the things that i'm really excited about and and not being afraid of of the disruption and being on the in the front of it because everything is being disrupted everything that we've known to be true is being rearranged and blown apart by people that are thinking in their garages right now and to be a part of conversations like this where we're thinking into the future and we're just thinking ahead of of the reaction is really powerful to me so i'm i'm more excited about the future even though there's a lot of chaos coming it, it makes me happy to be here living today
1: That's awesome. Well, we just really appreciate you joining us today uh, on the show and having just a great uh, conversation with us, letting us dig in a little bit deeper uh, into you and the person that you are. Uh, I know that you have a ton of other great stuff out there and resources for our listeners. So um, it would be great if you could just share how they can connect with you
2: everybody should come and visit DamianLupo.com. Come, come visit there. Every, everything that I'm involved with, the resources, the the books, the the writings, you know, everything, the tools that I can give to you to help you with creating your freedom. And, and the, the stuff that we've talked about is, is there and it's available for you. So just come, it's D-A-M-I-O-N Lupo.com and come visit there and you'll find everything that, that uh, really I am. It's my virtual me. That's awesome. Hey man, you you're, you this has been great.
0: We've really just enjoyed this. Again, I mean, it's I really appreciate your openness, um down to earth, you know, um you know, a lot of people have that have experienced your learning and um, even the successes that you learn like, you know, sometimes they are how can we put it? Unapproachable maybe? <laughs>
2: sure. Yeah. But, yeah. but thank you for be, just being you. I I appreciate that it's 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 amazing to be in this type of environment this conversation you guys are amazing because you hold space and there's it's a very powerful thing that's exceptionally rare for people to be able to hold space and bring out the best bring out the juice bring out the real and y'all do that as if it's it's like it. It, it's just natural, and I don't think you were born with it, maybe you were, but it's <laughs> obvious that you are super present and engaged and this matters to you. you, you everybody can feel that, so thanks for, for holding the space and opening it up.
0: Well, we receive that. Those are very kind words. Um, well, this has been another episode of Uphill Conversations. Um, we want you to know that you can be more, do more, and have more. The reason for your being, doing, and having is yours to figure out. Always remember your current condition does not match your emerging future. Anything worth having is uphill. However, you cannot go uphill with downhill habits. But most importantly, we want you to know that me, Megan, and Damien, you will see us on the hill. You've been listening to Uphill Conversations. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to the show at UphillConversations.co. See you on the hill.